Thank you for the song we heard on today's old concert show. Liza D. Penderson, performed by Ambrose and his orchestra. And then was followed by Barney Kessler and his band, and it is called Bernardo. Now, that Bernardo was a very avant-garde arrangement, but that's exactly the way it was performed in the studio, what you heard. That was not a mistake, and it was not a defective record. That's how the performance sounded. They, and they used to replicate that live in clubs. I, I saw them perform it at the at the Jazz Casbah in Newark. That very tricky tempo. Now, Bonnie Kessler rehearsed that tune for weeks with his musicians. Several of them quit. One was fired. They said, we're not trained to play advanced time signatures like this. So they left, and, and they joined rock and roll bands. It's easier to play the really stupid rock and roll beats. And the money was better, and the gals were younger. Well, anyway, uh, oh, uh, this is your Codger on WFMU. I, I want to thank Gus Bodenheim for filling in for me last week. I, I, I missed the program. I was uh, indisposed. That's too bad I can't hear it. it. It was broadcast live, of course. Once these things go out over the air, they disappear forever. Now, now I've been told, I've been led to believe that old radio shows go off into outer space. And they travel to distant galaxies, mi- millions of miles away. And they circulate for centuries. And supposedly you could, you could hear them on other planets. Well, even though I did not hear it, I, I hope you enjoyed Gus's stewardship of the good ship surface noise. Now, I understand from my assistant, Lola Bell Pancake, that Gus plugged his literary endeavors. Plugged, that means made it a commercial for. In particular, he... He plugged his highbrow novel, Naked Came the Ceramics Instructor. Well, as far as the old codger accounts receivable department is concerned, that is considered a commercial message. So they will be invoicing Gus accordingly. Uh, I'd like to know, did, did he mention any of his other books? He's been trying to drive sales of his new novel. It's called A Fistful of Chuck. If he mentioned any other titles, the price for airtime goes up. Lollibet also said that Gus was only mildly plushed to the scuppers throughout the show. Well, if that's the case, I commend him on his restraint. I'm looking forward to Gus reaching adulthood during my lifetime. I've known Gus for many years. He is a blowhard, and the drunker he gets, the harder he blows. There's one way to sum up Gus Bodenheim. First, 
He tells you that he's going to tell you what he thinks. Then he tells you what he thinks. Then he tells you what he just told you. Anyway, anyway I'm sure you recognized the tremendous differences in personality between uh, me and Gus. Gus, he is cold. He's calculating. He's sarcastic. He's not warm and gracious like me. He has a very stiff approach to addressing the listeners. It sometimes sounds like he's sneering, unlike me. But no, no I, I do indeed hold the listeners of WFMU in deep contempt, make no mistake. But I know how to hide it. That's because I am a fully trained, qualified professional broadcaster with decades of experience. Gus is a mere understudy. In short, while Gus possesses a certain, uh, as the French say, je ne sais what, he lacks my sizzling charisma. After he hosted a program last week, I mailed him a pair of my old shoes, and included was a note, you'll never fear these. Well, anyway, we're going to move along back to the music now on the Okaja Show on WFMU, and we have one of my favorites, and one of yours as well, Ruth Edding. <laughs> Just as sad a place for me as could be I was lonely and blue This old world then changed to paradise for me Suddenly, why? Because I met you All the wealth and power I may never find Still as long as I have you, dear, I won't mind, for I'll get by as long as Thank you. 
happy home and took a trip to Honolulu town. When he got off of the boat, he took a look around. He had heard of the hula girls that you read of every day. He saw one, then he wrote a letter to his wife, I heard him say. Becky, Becky, I ain't coming home no more. Sell a tailor shop, hang a sign up on the door. Tell my relations I'm down at Waikiki. Honolulu is the only place to be. You should see these hula dollies. They're better than the gold wind polish. Becky, Becky, I work just like a horse. If I don't come back, get a second and divorce. Oh, I've got a girl for an adopted daughter. That's a night and day for a dollar and a quarter. Becky, Becky, I ain't coming back no more. These the girls know how they can shake. They rumble and they tremble like an earthquake. When they start to wiggle, you yell, wow, shoot me while I'm happy now. Foxtrot shimmy, cause that's me, yoy. Just down slow for the Yiddish boy. Give me a girl with a dress of shredded meat, with a rope around her neck and donuts on her Becky, Becky, if I don't come back, don't cry. All these little girls are the apple of my eye. Look what you missed for 20 years, oh, yoy. Now here they call me a Yiddish hula boy I'm going to be the king of the island Have a big harem full of wild ones Becky, Becky, I wish you lots of joy While you're young yet, get another Yiddish boy They feed me nice fish, I don't have to eat the ham I'm living right now in the New Jerusalem Oh, Becky, Becky, I ain't coming back no more
kiss him with a smack Hug him and I'll squeeze him and I'll never give him back Because I'm lonesome So very lonesome I'm the lonesomest gal in this here town Shower, tear down pretty trees. Sweethearts break up just to make up for love looks on and grin. Somebody loses, somebody Somebody loses, 
somebody win. No use sighing, alibiing, love must have its sin. Somebody lose it, somebody win. Sweethearts break up just to make up Love looks on and grins Somebody loses, somebody wins Maybe we just heard the second set of music on the Old Codger radio show on WFMU. That's me, I'm, I'm the Old Codger, Courtney T. Edison. And we, we started out with Ruth Edding, and I'll get by as long as I have you. Then, Andy Kirk and his 12 Clouds of Joy with Mary's idea. Mary was, uh, was Mary Lou Williams. She was on piano. She did a lot of arranging and composing for Andy Kirk. She was like Andy Kirk's secret weapon. After that, we heard Hilo Hattie and Becky, I Ain't Coming Back No More. It's also subtitled The Yiddish Hula Boy. Hatta Brooks sang I'm the Lonesomest Gal in Town. Then we finished up that set with the three keys. And somebody loses, somebody wins. Well, we are, we are now going to hear. Yes, it's time for another award-winning soundtrack from a classic motion picture starring Flip the Frog. I was reminiscing recently about another star of yesteryear, a guy I used to be friends with who is currently out of work. He hasn't acted in years. His career is kaput. He's currently living in the retired screen actor's wing at the Van Halen Nursing Home in Verona, New Jersey. I'm speaking about my old buddy, you know, you know him as Casper the Friendly Ghost. That, that was his stage name. I, I knew him when he was still alive. His real name was Harold Strudovich. He was uh, born in the Bronx. I, he was a Harry. I called him Harry. And you know what? When he was alive, he wasn't that friendly. He was an ornery son of a bitch, a drinker. A carouser, an ingrate, a scoundrel, and a deadbeat. No no wonder we got along so well. I always suspected he had Bodenheim blood. You'd loan him a bar of soap, and you'd never get it back. But Harry got killed. He was run over by a truck delivering imitation Swiss cheese. That changed everything. As a ghost, he became sweet and lovable. He became virtuous, insufferably virtuous. And he, he pursued a career in Hollywood, where he adopted his new identity as Casper the Friendly Ghost. He became incredibly successful in motion pictures. Yes, Casper had to die to become a star. He started a trend of uh, dead people, cute dead people, no, no zombies with rotting flesh. Uh, these were cuddly corpses playing parts in motion pictures. There were quite a few in the wake of Casper's success. Eventually, he helped organize the GPU, the, the, the Ghost Performers Union, uh, to protect the rights of what came to be known in Hollywood as afterlife actors. Well, Casper looked very young in the motion pictures. It, it, it took a lot of pancake makeup to get that convincing, uh, ghostly, but youthful look. Ah, but eventually, his cute, lovable stick wore thin. A number of his films tanked at the box office, and then the studio dropped him. He had trouble finding work. Uh, it was hard times for Casper the Friendly Ghost. He actually once tried to commit suicide, but, but then he realized he was already dead. He landed a few walk-on parts in uh, Woody Woodpecker films, and he had a couple of cameos in episodes of the, the, the Scooby-Doo TV series. Uh, he even went to a casting call for the film Night of the Living Dead, but he was rejected. He just didn't have the, the, the zombie complexion. He was washed up by that point. Well, anyway, if you want to go visit Casper, 
He's, uh, or Harry, whatever you want to call him. He welcomes visitors at the Van Halen nursing home. They just call him first. Now, today's film soundtrack starring... Creep the Frog is from the 1931 motion picture Laughing Gas. It was an Academy Award nominee that year for the best blooper reel. There was, there was a lot of mishaps on the set while the cameras were rolling. Anyway, the other actors, uh, you won't see them, it's radio, but uh, the other actors with supporting roles in this film are uh, Napoleon Whiting, Don Amici, Carlton Molesworth, Horace Quimby, he, he plays the part of Bert the Tricky Jew, and Mickey Rooney uh, portrays patient number four. This, this is one of Mickey Rooney's earliest roles. Well, here is the soundtrack of the Flip the Frog film soundtrack, Laughing Gas. <laughs>
want to go to heaven when you die, moan, people moan. Moan, people moan, moan, everybody moan. But nobody oh, want to go to heaven when you die, moan, people moan. You better pray and be converted before it is too late. Remember, you got to meet old Saint Peter when you meet him at the Golden Gate. Oh, moan, people moan. Calypso, but when you get there, you'll be surprised. Peter is happy to the drive. Oh, more people, more. you mind butch with the whiskey cliff with the card and dice you better live right scotty live right if you want to enter paradise oh
that completes that surprise set of music out of your crowd to show. We started out with uh, Flip the Frog from uh, the, the soundtrack of the major motion picture Laughing Gas from 1931. Then we heard the very young Sugar Child Robinson with the numbers boogie. Wilmot Houdini and his Calypso Parliament did moan, people moan. And Edmund Hall with the Celestiner Express. And the, the, you know, the score for that Flip the Frog movie was by Wolfgang Amadeus Bodenheim. The music for that film allegedly made a huge impression on a young composer named Bernard Herrmann. They used to refer to him when he was just starting out and scoring films for his friends. They called him Scissors, Scissors Herrmann, <laughs> because he would listen to film scores from major motion pictures, and he'd cut little bits and pieces of the music from all these other scores, and he'd blend them together into his own score. That's right. Everything little Bernie Herman, little Bernie Scissors Herman, scored was borrowed from another composer's work. But, you know, as the famous songwriter Frederick Ricketts once said, a good composer does not imitate. He steals. Actually, that was originally said by Igor Stravinsky, but, but Fred stole it. Anyway, when Scissors Herman heard the score for the Flip the Frog major motion picture Laughing Gas, it was so inspiring that he went out and he composed the score for Citizen Kane, and the rest, as they say, is history. Now, years later, when Flip was down on his luck and trying to finance a comeback film, that he was he was going to write it, direct it, and star in it. Of course, I, I mean that the film The Day the Frog Cried. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago on these airwaves. He wrote to Scissors Herman, and he asked if he would compose the score for The Day the Frog Cried. Well... Little Bernie Herman's secretary sent Flip a letter that contained a polite but terse rebuff, thus proving the ingratitude of Scissors Herman. Well, now I see here that someone has sent a Western Union telegram that had just arrived minutes ago. They, they were asking, did Flip the Frog know Casper the Friendly Ghost? Well, that's a very interesting question. But first, we have some business to conduct. So please listen to this important message from Unita Bodenheim. According to the world's foremost medical authorities, there's nothing like the sweet loving tickle of swirling water for a feeling of total loveliness down there. That's why the Marvelette Whirlicue is America's best love syringe. It whirls. The Marvelette Whirlicue's patented design guarantees that your exotic nether delicacies are bathed in pure freshness with every squeeze of the no-slip satin-touch bulb. And its whisper-quiet modesty valve means no more telltale squelches, unlike some imitations. So compact, so handy, and so convenient, it goes anywhere you go, anytime you go. Don't think twice about lunch with the girls, You'll stay fresh as a daisy with the Marvelette Whirlicue in your favorite pocketbook. They also make unforgettable party favors. Keep your best lipstick and a Marvelette Whirlicue in your desk drawer so your boss can always expect hot coffee and a warm smile. Long Sunday drive to the in-laws? When you stow a Marvelette Whirlicue in the glove compartment, you'll be the blushing bride who stole their little boy's heart. Always be prepared to always be your loveliest down there 
with the model at Whirly Q, America's best love syringe. It whirls. Also comes in a handy 10 pack. Ozark Mountains, there's a little town, and one day there came a salesman, Hilly Brown. Now Hilly was attractive, he had a city air, his clothes were flashy models, and he plastered down his hair. When the village virgin, little Nell by name, saw this new Adonis, she loved him without shame. She listened to his tempting and gave to him her heart. Till one morning early, she saw Hilly Brown depart. 
The older folk was angry. They decided on recourse. They hired a slick attorney and they said with all their force, Oh, we'll bill, Hilly, yes, we'll bill, Hilly, for the damage what he done to little Nell, our Nell. She's an ill filly, yes, an ill filly, for he done his damage and he done it well. A year passed by and Nellie added to the fold two lovely little baby brothers, twins with hair of gold, flaxen gold. It was the village scandal, two boys without no paw, for Hilly Brown was missing, he had escaped the law. But one day the salesman, like a fool, came back, and when the old folks saw him, they took a different tack. They fired the slick attorney, and they sharpened up a knife. Ooh, poor Hilly Brown was frightened, for he feared they'd take his life. But they got him in a corner, and they said, here's what we'll do. Two little things you gave to Nellie, so two little things we'll take from you. Oh, now, Will, Hilly, mercy, Will, Hilly, ever damage anyone like little Nell? No, nor Will, Hilly, send a bill. Hilly's got but one thing left, and that he cannot sell.
Well, the final set of the program, we heard George Formby and Swimming with the Women. Bruce Fletcher sang about Hilly Brown. And Awaya Noriko did the uh, Ameno Blues. Well, another old cadre show has come to its inevitable conclusion. I will now go to my just reward. As, as William Shakespeare wrote, there's sufficient fruits of fermentation for complete plushment straight to yon scuppers. That was a, a famous line from one of his lesser-known plays, A Midsummer Night's Jock Rash. Also from that play was another of Shakespeare's marvelous witticisms. He, he wrote, If music be the food of love, then get your beard out of my soup. That play, if I recall, was last performed in 1931 at Derek Flunge's Yodel Bar in Pawtucket. <laughs> I missed that historic performance. I had a date that night with all three of the singing Giersdorf sisters. Well, uh, this is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Also heard in dental parlors and barber shops in Aquackanac, New York. The old Kaiser Radio Network now signs off the air. WFMU requires a pre-recorded announcement every time we shut down for the day. Here it is with your announcer, Tennessee Ernie Bodenheim. Our next program will come to you at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning by authority of the Federal Communications Commission. The National Anthem.
Oh, hello, friend. I saw you out here wandering alone in the world. Do you mind if I join you? Yes. Yes, you mind, or... Oh, it doesn't matter. We all need a little company. No. I do, anyway. I found this coconut, and I wanted to show it to you. You and I were walking along just now, and I found this coconut. And it got me... Th well, it's the inside of a coconut. It doesn't have the husk on it, so it's just the nut. It's the coconut nut. It's the coconut nut. And if you're a child of the 70s like me, you remember Coconut Nut. She was on all the talk shows, and she'd do her catchphrase, doo-doo-woo-woo, -woo. everybody doo-doo-woo-woo, -woo. and we'd laugh. Oh, it was differenter times back then. But this coconut's got me thinking. What if we had jaws that detached, that came unhinged, and we could get an entire coconut nut in our mouths and digest it like that so you could see a coconut. It's about the size of a small, not the big bowling balls, but the duck pin ones. I don't even think they have finger holes. That size or bigger, a large grapefruit, it's the size of a coconut nut. And we put it in our mouths, and get it in there, and while you're digesting it, you can't speak or anything. So sometimes you come up behind people and you'd say, Hey, Sally, how you doing? And you turn around and you go, Oh, I'm sorry I didn't realize that you were digesting a coconut nut. I'll just walk with you a while in silence. Well, I won't be silent. You can just digest this nut. And that's the way I see this show. I have walked up upon you. I saw you walking alone in the park, and I go, hey, friend, like that, really aggressively. And then I take a coconut, and I grab your jaw, and I shove it in your mouth like that, and I say, digest this. It's not just the size, too. It's the fiber. You know, our body has to get a hold of that fiber. You'll give and spread the big lie in the 70s that you could eat a pine tree. And so people went out there, and they tried to eat pine trees, and a lot of them hurt themselves. At the very least, they got pine resin, which is the basis for turpentine, in their teeth. Nobody wants turpentine in their teeth. When my grandfather was young, all toothpastes were turpentine-based, and they had heroin in them. But things change over time, and we say, well, those things aren't practical anymore. And now, how's the coconut come? Is it going down okay? Do you need something to wash it down with? I remember I've eaten crackers or something so dry that I feel like I've been uh, completely desiccated. I think that, but there's little packets. They say, well, they're not poison. You know the little anti-desiccation or the desiccating packets? Or not anti <laughs> The moisturizing packets. There's two kinds of little packets you can get in your shoe. One takes the moisture out of the shoe. One puts it in it because some shoes are need to be kept moist for some reason. I don't know whether they're made of living things or something. They're made, it's a live head of lettuce. I'm, I've purchased, I don't mean to digress, but I have purchased in the store a live head of lettuce. It says this is still living. Just tear the limbs off. Of it. I know they're not limbs, they're leaves. But just go ahead and tear things off of it as you need it. Here's a, here's a pig. You just eat one leg at a time or something else. There's an old joke that's like that. It's not funny, though. 
But uh, I don't know. There's something about touting the fact that it's still alive is interesting to me. People eat seafood alive sometimes, too, I think, don't they? I mean, could you imagine going to a restaurant and say, all right, it's all you can eat. All right, what is it? Giant squid. All right, how's it prepared? It's not prepared. It's just you and the giant squid in a tank. Well, I don't know. Would the giant squid's going to maybe eat me? There you go. That's why it's free. Is it free? Yeah, it's free. Uh, how do you make money that way? We charge the people to watch. That's how. That's how. Oh, I see. So it's just the talent that doesn't get paid. Exactly. But everybody's watching does. Well, they don't get paid. They have to pay. They make you pay when you go into restaurants. It'd be nice to be paid to eat, too. I, I think children, if children ran everything, you'd have to bribe them. You know, sometimes you have to pay them to eat. You go, gosh, it's just, don't you want food? It's strange with kids. You go, no, you're making you, you've got to eat this. All right. And I'll pay you to eat the food, the good food. And it would be interesting if that was like that entire life. And people are trying to get you to come in restaurants and they say, we pay top dollar for you to eat a plate of food. If you eat all your peas, it's like a hundred bucks or something. I would do that. Oh, you say you don't want to live in a, a world where children are in charge. Well, oh, guess, guess what? I hate to tell you. They really are. They really are strangely in charge. And sometimes, literally, I think there are toddlers that run corporations. Movies imply this. If you'll notice, like in the past, like you'll see, um, I think it's 2001, A Space Odyssey, you'll see like iPads. And they didn't exist then. But someone conceived of them. Right? So they thought about this idea and then it, it, it enters the human consciousness, our spirit. Our imagination, it enters through art, and then it becomes reality. And Baby Boss, I think, is like this. I think that children are going to run corporations or whatever. I haven't seen the movie, but I imagine it's like this world. I see it. We all envision it. It's part of the zeitgeist. You say, I think there will come a time when little little babies will run. Not quite babies, maybe. I'm thinking kids seven or eight are have the perfect temperament to uh, to run any institution, really. And you see this in um, Bugsy Malone, I think, where we just say, oh, the children will inherit the earth because all the adults die, like the Star Trek episode with the grups and the onlys. Oh, what a horrible world that is, would it be, where any just one age group is gone. It's like that. If you've ever gone to a retirement village in South Florida or something, you walk in, you go, it just looks like a, an ordinary neighborhood, an ordinary community. You go, wait, 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 though. 